We are now officially recording Hello. the Bonnie Buds podcast from the Newman Flexible Workspace with Darren Wheel from Intune PR and Zenak Narani of No, you say it. Vida della Mariposa Coaching. Hola, que bien. <laughs> and in a slightly less Spanish and butterfly led way. Uh, that's actually mental health and well-being coaching, to be precise. It is, and yeah, it's great to be here um, at the Newman Centre recording the buzz. And we did, um, I've already posted, but we did have our little morning breakfast buzz. Yes, a cannoli. As a cannoli, we... chocolate cannoli. Mm, Grace 40, East Street, Bromley. Fantastic, great little Italian place, family-run business. Yeah. Super duper. So, uh, you can find us every Monday, 10am, on Channel Radio. Yeah, and you can also find us on LinkedIn in a Bromley Buzz page under the hashtag Bromley Buzz, uh, on Instagram Bromley Buzz, Facebook Bromley Buzz, and Twitter Bromley Buzz. In fact, there's a lot of buzzes all around. Oh, absolutely. Buzz all around. And, you know, it's nice and easy. Unlike your um, activities at the weekend, which will be our first buzz of the day. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing I bought my brand new trainers. Yes, well, your boots were made for walking on Saturday, weren't they? they? Were. I, I came His down. Boots are made for walking. Yeah, I came down to the car park of the Queen's Head in Green Street Green and selflessly looked at the people about to do a three hour walk and said, Bye bye. And off you went. Yeah. <laughs> and you were one of them, and you were doing this I for? I was, yes. So, Water Aid, uh, it, was, well, it was in aid of Water Aid, mm-hmm. on behalf of the uh, Rotary Club, Bromley Rotary Club. Um, and the Bromley Passport Club, which mm. is um, led by Denise Mead Hill of Career Coaching. So, and she's been on our Bromley Buzz as well. We've interviewed she has. her as well. So. And you, you were uh, very busy that morning. Every time I oh, went anywhere near Instagram, it was pop up. Here's another video from Zena. <laughs> I was buzzing and huffing, and you name it, I was. <laughs> Do you know what? I think it was supposed to be about a seven, seven point five, maximum eight mile walk. And when I looked at my watch, I'd actually done nine and a half miles. Whew. Mm. Yes, at the pace of Tim Buick's pace of walking. And if yes, anybody l- knows Longshanks Tim Buick. Yes, if anyone knows yes. Tim Buick out there, mm. he is like the Eiffel Tower. Yes, that's true. I yeah. was going to say King Kong, mm-hmm. but not quite. <laughs> if you stood on your own shoulders, you'd still only be just taller than him. Exactly. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so we, I ended up walking at his pace along with his dog and a lady called Morag who joined us as well which was Tim's neighbour with a dog so as you know when you walk with do- uh, dog walkers they do walk at a fast mm. pace and I'm out of practice but you know what Morag was brilliant she was like a tour guide because they, they do these routes regularly and they explore routes when you're a dog walker you just try to find something different she also educated us with history which was very very interesting mm. Um, but magnificent views, absolute magnificent views. Yeah, all those um, great for the mental health. All those videos reminded me of what a pretty borough we are in. Yeah, many places and so many green areas, forests, mm. woodlands. Uh, it was great to see uh, sheep and lambs and uh, horses nodding that we should donate to Water Aid. If you haven't seen that mm. on Instagram, do have a look. It's quite a cute video. That was Tim's idea, by the way. I do give them credit for that. Hmm. Well, um, yes, congratulations on doing that to all concerned. Yeah, so it's brilliant. So we had, um, yeah, Christine came along later. Unfortunately, she couldn't walk, but um, she was there at the end to say yay. And we all had a lovely uh, lunch at the Queen's Head after. Excellent. Well deserved. What about you? What was buzzing for you? Well, no, it's a, oh, that was a deep thought. <sighs> there is a pre-buzz, as it were. Yes. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how Bromley Football Club do in the FA Trophy final on yes. uh, Sunday the 22nd of May. So there's a little bit of uh, what's on as well. And yeah. uh, they're playing Wrexham. Um, Rob- Robbie Rodeo Savage's ex-Strictly Dancers team uh, at heart alongside Leicester for whom he played as I hear on Radio 5 regularly enough uh, and uh, I wish the club luck and now we have 
a uh, very unpredictable um, bit of interview which might include one or two people from the club and it might include the manager. It just depends what I can gather in time. Mm. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, I'll move on next to Darren and Zeekna from the Bromley Buzz, if you've got any follow-up questions at all. There we go. A few, actually. Um, the first one is, um, just how big is this in the history of the football club, would you say? Oh, I, would have, I would have thought it's pretty big. I think in the modern era, there's only... Um, it's the only second time the club's been to Wembley. Um, and I think what's slightly different about this one, that we can't get away from it. We're playing a massive club, Wrexham. They're a huge club. Mm. Um, you know, history, size of them. They've been a league club for many years. And then we've got the juggernaut of all the, the backdrop that's behind Wrexham at the moment. And good for them. You know, I don't criticise that or, or, or sigh about it. I think it's been brilliant for the, for the league this year. And I think it's been brilliant for 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 football in in in, in general to have to have the uh, the sort of um, the exposure it's got from their Hollywood background. So so for me, I, I think this is a it's probably a bigger game in the club's history um, for many different reasons. Okay, uh, you, you mentioned uh, in consider yourself to be underdogs, which is a proud British tradition. Uh, how are you going to handle it if your team makes the lead in the first minute? How do you persuade them from trying to defend for the next 89 minutes? If we concede in the first minute? No, no, score. Not score, concede. <laughs> <laughs> if we let it go in? No, no, if you were the ones to score in the first oh, minute. Oh, score? Sorry, I, I, you kept cutting no, out. We, we're being optimistic here. I trust uh, listen, um, yeah, well, that's nice. That's, a, that's, quite, that's quite an unusual question I've got. I haven't got many of those ones, opt optimism ones. Um, look, it's football. If we go and score, then our game plan certainly won't be to sit back and uh, and sit on the on the lead for eighty nine minutes. I think there's one thing that I've probably proven in my term here as a manager that uh, I've been brave enough to make decisions and brave enough to try and go and get the victory. Um, and 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 I've never been one to sit back and even in any game, you know, I've never been one to sit back and hang on to a result. Uh, I think the best form of defence is attack. So if we are fortunate enough to score, then we'll be making sure we're on the front foot trying to get the second one, uh, which could leave us a little bit open at times. But I think, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to win games, you've got to be on the front foot. So that's certainly, you know, that our game plan will not change. You've also talked about um, uh, managing the games in advance. So you had a good fit, fresh squad for the final. Um, how have the preparations been general? Have they stood out in any way from what you would normally do? Is this being a bit special? Uh, it's been a bit different. I wouldn't say special, but it's been a bit different the way we've used, you know, we've been, I wouldn't say lucky enough, but the way the season's panned out, we've had these games now where we can, we can use the games now to, to, to get the team as fit as possible and, and on the right page and everyone up for selection. Um, would I have changed that? Yes, of course I would have. I'd love to have been last out of season, sneaking in the playoffs like we did last year. Um, but that wasn't to be. And uh, we've used it for different reasons now to make sure that everyone's fit and ready to go. Uh, the headache now is for me is that I can only choose 11 players to start on a Saturday and uh, seven subs. Um, so I'm going to be a popular man with uh, a lot of the boys and then probably a, a very unpopular man with some of the players. Um, but that's the job and the role I've got and uh, it's not one I take lightly to make sure I make the right selection and uh, do it for the right reasons. But you'll be surprised to know that pretty much everyone's fit all of a sudden. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I wish, in a weird way, I wish every week was Wembley because I'd have a team to pick from every week. And um, obviously the club is more than just the first team. You've got staff, you've got um, things with um, women's teams, you've got youth teams. Uh, you've got some special needs people, I think, as well. All sorts of community stuff. Um, how excited is the whole of Bromley Football Club about this? It's it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, we had our Player of the Year awards last night, um, which Charlotte and, and Matt Hall uh, done superbly. But what was really apparent to me was how we're integrating the community now into this one team. Um, the girls done their awards on the same night with us, uh, and they was it was as much their awards night as it was ours, which I think is really important. Uh, and I think we're really coming together as a as a real, f you know, one club, and that's obviously from the vision of the owner, um, and it's something I endorse as well. 
uh, we've had, like you say, we've had some special needs children here. Uh, we've had some some real sad sad story uh, situations where people have come in, and we've welcomed it because we want to make sure that we don't lose that community feel. Um, I've been fortunate enough to work at the highest level uh, clubs, and uh, the, the 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 touching distance between player and supporter is is gone. Um, and I understand that I understand that on many levels why. But we want to make sure that we're not at that level, of course, but we want to make sure that we still make sure that this is about the football and the community together. And uh, I think testament to everyone at the club that's, that's worked really hard, players, staff and, and people behind the scenes bringing it all together. And, and congratulations to the women's team as well. They won mm -hmm. the league. Um, so they've really put a bit of pressure on me. <laughs> Darren, um, given how localised your podcast is, we actually were at the Glades on, on Saturday as well. Andy and the team were preparing for Barnet and uh, the amount of people that came up and were saying that they're coming to Wembley or just buying the shirt and so on. So it does feel like the club really is is backed by everyone, even if they can't be there with us at Wembley. Um, it, was, it was a really nice way to spend a Saturday, actually. Well, I've got one more question before I hand over to Z, but um, Zena is a mindset and uh, well-being coach, and I'm sure she would say that you need to vision your success in order to help get it. So, <laughs> well, I'm you are you in this week? You need to do my questions for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. me down anymore, I'd have been horizontal. <laughs> so the, the question I have related to that is, if you do win, have you any idea how you personally will celebrate, Andy? Ha! <laughs> um... Do you know what? I'm going to give you a real honest answer here. I have thought this through a little bit uh, in that romance I have every now and again when I'm on my own. <laughs> uh, a bit emotional because it, it means so much to everyone else. It, 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 for me, I, I know people think I'm just saying that. For me to watch everyone else enjoying it, that is my celebration. For me, I'm, 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 I'm a, quite an open character. I wear my heart on my sleeve. But I want this so much for everyone else. Of course, I want it for myself as well. But I'm kind of secondary to this. I want the whole team, the staff and the people of Bromley, those people that are coming to support us and the ones that can't get there. I want them to really be proud of what we've done here. Um, and I, I said to the I said to players on many times, you know, in the playoffs last year, create your own history, create your own legacy. Because if we are to win this game, we'll be the only team that's ever done it in Bromley's history to win a Wembley player final, a Wembley sorry trophy final. I know from my own experience, you always get invited back to that club as some sort of hero, and there's nothing nicer now. I'm on the Friday before the game, I'm going to a 25-year anniversary dinner at Northampton, where we won the player final. That's 25 years ago. We still get invited back by people and I wish I could just show the boys this is what comes of it when your career is long finished and you, you it's a memory of you tell people you used to play football and then you get invited back and people have those lovely memories it stays with you forever and that's the bit I wish I could can and say to people look this is what I've done uh, and this is what the outcome is of it these people are still inviting me back because we created a bit of history uh, and that, to me, if I see these people do this, I'll be looking at these players particularly and thinking, you guys have no idea that you're going to be invited back to this football club forever and a day. That was one of the best answers to a question I've had on the podcast. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, just really quickly, because I could talk about um, mindset and resilience for, <laughs> for the whole day. But just a couple of, how have you been maintaining um, and supporting the players through their mindset from where you started to where you are now? That, that's a really good question. Um, I, I, I'm not an expert like yourself, Sina, so, uh, and, and credit to you, you know, in that field, because I think it's so important now, mm -hmm. um, not just in football, but in, in the world, it's really important. And it's something I really do take quite seriously to make sure that these boys are okay because there was a bit of pressure on them, not just from fans, mm. but from family and all of that. And I think I can only draw my experience of being a father uh, to a son that plays football in the Premiership. Uh, so I tried to be like a father figure to them. Mm. Um, some might argue I'm a bit strict sometimes. <laughs> some might argue I'm a bit too relaxed with them. But I kind of know the emotions they're going through. I know the pressures they might have from their parents mm. or their wives or, or whoever. 
Uh, I know social media now is a big, big arm of that. Um, as much as I say to them, don't look at it, they will look at it. So I kind of try to be that sort of uh, that 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 sort of lean to guy that they can come to, and they can tell me something that they don't want anyone else to know, and they know I'm not going to repeat it, and I'm only just giving my best advice and help with it. Um, and I've really prided myself on that. And and actually, there's a couple of instances in my head that obviously are, are private to me, but I know I've done a uh, a really good job with a couple of uh, a couple of my players in the last year or so mm. and to me that's more important than than football yeah, so thank you again for your time yeah from us uh, as, as a local pair of um, broadcasters the very best of luck yes thank you very much and i'd love to come back on another time and hopefully uh win or lose let's not say if we win let's say win or lose i'd love to come back and maybe give you a perspective on how it all panned out and what, what I learned from it and hopefully what I've done right for the boys either way after. Yeah, that would be great. You're invited. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Lovely to see you and uh, I hope you have a, as enjoyable day as we're going to have. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. Mm. It's going to be my next real, well, my third in my entire life, I think, real football game. Mm. Looking forward to it. Mm. Super. Great. Um, so, um, do you know what? I had a lovely buzz um, as well yesterday. So it's one thing after another. And I was marshalling for, on behalf of the Bromley Rotary Club again. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the, yesterday was the Chiselhurst Half Marathon 2022. So that was the 15th of May. And um, set within the beautiful Chiselhurst village and surrounding leafy countryside, offering enjoyable and challenging trails. So it was kind of towards Skag- uh, inside Skagbury Park and everything. And they started off at Gleb Football Club. Uh, lovely little football club it is. It's Glebe, do you think? Is it Glebe or Gleb? Glebe? I think it's probably Glebe. Oh. Glebe, Gleb, mm. potato, potato, tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, this is not the diction police and uh, this half of the podcast. So, carry on. Um, and there, there was over 500 runners on there, and that was, yeah, it was all in aid of the Maypole project. So it was just so wonderful to be marshalling. And I was kind of plotted somewhere in Scabbury Park, mm. and having the runners go past, and as I was cheering them and directing them in the direction, they were also going, thank you, Marshall, thank you, Marshall, you're doing a great job. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so sweet and motivating for me. And I'm like, thank you for running. Mm. <laughs> so it was absolutely wonderful. The atmosphere was lovely. Yeah. So, can, I, yeah. can I just say, I think your choices were spot on. So what you could have done is marshalled the walk over its nine miles and run the half marathon and it's 13 and a half miles or whatever it is. Yeah. But you, you chose the um, low energy output option. Can you imagine doing oh, a half marathon? Oh, goodness. I mean, well, we, after we the walk did, I did for watering yeah, the day we, before. We, we did the Orpington Santa Dash and that was tiring enough and that was like two miles or something. I know, it was incredible. Bless uh, Tim, he ended up being post number 10. Mm. So he had to get do a five mile walk to get to his post, almost. And then back again at the end <laughs> crikey oh well you might as well run it in sympathy with everyone else but <clears throat> right is it my turn for a, a bus it is i give you permission thank you all mine <laughs> do not involve running marshalling and you're doing more probably rotary stuff than i am and i'm a member which is faintly embarrassing but uh, never mind my time will come um, absolutely right we also have uh, a, oh i had a buzz the other day which is about to bear fruit I interviewed the uh, head person at London South East Colleges, which has the Bromley and Orpington uh, campuses, what used to be independent colleges in uh, Bromley. And correction, oh, we. Mm, we. 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 Oh yes, of course you were. <laughs> I was there, there on the sidelines. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I forget these things. Um, Oh, some, some of them are so wanted. You do so many interviews, you can't keep up. That's true. We are well over 100 Goodness. since we started um, in eight months or so. Um, although, you know, this wasn't um, the same kind of an interview as Johannes Rodebi, the dancer. No, Strictly, it wasn't. For example. Very, very different. Or, uh, and I don't got, get, didn't get quite the same level of passion you had with the Kevin Clifton one either. No. <laughs> Nevertheless, very important body, thousands of students... And therefore very relevant to the borough and uh, glad we did it. And that will be out in the next few days. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, if you're looking 
to send your children to colleges or they want to take a different route, definitely look into vocational it. Vocational stuff. Vocational stuff, absolutely. Yeah, so thank you um, to um, Dr. Sam Perra and her team for setting that up. Absolutely. And it's it, it, they call it LSEC, don't they? Because I was going yeah. L-S-E-C and you, bless her, she was like, no, it's LSEC, <laughs> which yeah. is easier to say. That's one of the things about uh, doing the podcast. You start interviewing people and they put you right on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's all Which a learning curve. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, can I can I buzz? Yeah. I had a lovely buzz, uh, which was well deserved after all my excitement at the weekend. Yay! Yay! I went to a spa with my lovely uh, Sarah Ben, who is also or the founder and owner of um, Babel Monkey mm. Digital and Marketing. So that was a well deserved day. Got to spend time with her, as well as my body needed it. Yes, you're looking very, very, very um, together today. Yeah, uh, and, just about. Now yeah. my legs are still kind of struggling to kind of walk with me, if that makes sense. <laughs> Trying to play catch up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, we met Sarah as well, which was nice. All three of us in the startup Bromley premises in Bromley Library the other mm, day as well. So we that, did, that yes. was a good one. Same day as the LSEC interview. It was interview. yes, yes, indeed. Uh, yes, Sarah was helping me um, revamp my website. Mm-hmm. So uh, the content on there, so yeah, exciting stuff there too. That's a plus for me. Right then, Z, do you ever watch? Uh, did you ever watch the Carry On films? I did. Carry uh, On camping? No. Well, oh. yes. Um, <laughs> famous for Barbara Windsor and a bikini top. Yeah, I but... must. I must. I must increase. Do, do, do. <laughs> the one I'm thinking of now is uh, Carry On Clear, I think. Oh, yes. Or was okay. it Carry On Clear? Hang I've on Hmm. You know when you start talking about something and it completely goes out of your head? Oh, yeah, I have that. The one with Julius Caesar. That's Clear, isn't it? Is it Clear? Hmm. Carry On Clear. But anyway, the Roman Carry On film. Yeah. Uh, and in at least part of that, you have Julius Caesar mm. uh, in Britain which historically is, well, he didn't invade and stay put, he, he went off. But um, he was complaining about the miserable climate and sneezing a lot and things like that while he was here. Uh, but he also says in the film, uh, one of my favourite comedy lines of all time, uh, as he's being stabbed by Brutus, infamy, infamy, they've all got it infamy. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and you know what? Um, between around 50 AD, I think it was, sorry, BC even, no, it was AD. Get, get me the years right. Um, yeah, about around 50 AD to about 410 uh, AD, uh, we were part of the Roman Empire. Mm. Uh, and I interviewed uh, Dr. Brian Philp at the um, Crofton Roman Villa in Orpington uh, only on yesterday morning. Oh, did you? Because I had an open day. Uh, and so we're going to go back in time to yesterday. And a lot of hundred years. And uh, here's Brian. We are in the Crofton Roman Villa by Orpington Station on its open day. And I'm with Dr. Brian Philp. Would you like to introduce yourself and your role here, Brian? Yes, gladly. Um, yeah, Brian Philp, a resident of Bromley forever. And uh, I direct the Kent Archaeological Rescue Unit and have done since its formation 40 years ago. And the Crofton Villa here is just one of... 700 projects that we've carried out over the last uh, many decades. Is there much else that's in the way of Roman ruins or um, uh, Roman things that people can see in Bromley? No, um, only two. Um, this bit, this Roman villa is at Crofton, which is by the station, and um, it's inside a covered building, so it's open mainly in the summer. Uh, that's one. And the second one, there's a little Roman bathhouse near Poverish Road, which is, might be open one, one day a year. That's pretty well everything. But the other sites, such as they were, are all very largely buried or some destroyed by development. I know that there was one which uh, was uh, burial tombs or graveyard because that had its own open day in the last few days as well over at Keston. Ah, yes, that's, uh, that's very important. Um, uh, we excavated the site there in 1967 and discovered a big Roman mausoleum and uh, it related to a Roman villa nearby which we excavated which can't be seen 
but the mausoleum is in private grounds and in fact next Sunday we're opening that to the public um, that's just off Western Road uh, for one day only 11 o'clock till 4 and that's Sunday the 22nd and um, that's well worth a visit um, but it's something a bit exceptional it's the biggest Roman tomb available in, in anywhere in the southeast to be seen Yes, I've been to that on a previous open day. Now, uh, can you tell me about this villa? Um, when do you think it was uh, first built? And um, when do you think it fell into disuse? Right. Any idea about who yes, owned it? Yes, oh yes. Um, it's, a, it's a large country house, effectively, which is the centrepiece of a farming estate, of which there are about 80 in Kent and 1,000 in Roman Britain. Uh, this one consists of at least 20 rooms, well spread out, it's a large building, set on the hillside. Our excavations here showed that it was constructed about 150 AD, which is 100 years after the Roman conquest, and that it underwent a number of changes during its history and was occupied until the end of Roman rule in about 410. Um, it, uh, during excavation, recovered, I think, 10,000 pieces of Roman pottery, domestic rubbish, coins, brooches, uh, masses of other information about the structure, the underfloor heating, um, and many of the finds are on show here now, and lots of the structural detail. Yes, I'm looking out uh, at it as we speak. The Romans were, amongst many other things, marvellous engineers, and you can see a lot of that here, including underfloor heating uh, centuries before much anyone else got around to it. That's right. I mean, we didn't introduce uh, central heating here until after, the, on a large scale, after the Second World War. Mm. Um, but they were brilliant engineers, um, road building particularly, um, fine buildings, massive buildings, a um, use of massive use of concrete. Um, and uh, all these major Roman sites, if they're available, you can see this engineering detail. Now, we don't know who the this This site must have had a name. A Latin name, we don't know it, and uh, a family lived here or a succession of families, nor do we know their names, which is all rather sad. But that once you're going back nearly 2,000 years, you can begin to understand the lack of literature to, uh, to help. Well, yes, of course, the Roman Empire was followed by the Dark Ages, uh, and I know for a fact that some Roman governors of Britain, even their names, are not known anymore as well. That's right, you see, the um, in far of uh, this is the northwest corner of Europe, uh, reverted, uh, but in the east, remember, it, it survived through uh, the Byzantine Empire, uh, centred on uh, Constantinople. So the, the empire stayed on, uh, survived there for nearly a thousand years extra. But here, it, it collapsed completely once the military pulled out. Then the um, the Saxon war band started moving in. Mm. Uh, and now you're launching a book today. Would you like to tell us about that? Yes, that's right. Um, the, uh, uh, I've had a career covering seven decades and that all began very early on at school in Bromley and uh, it involves, as I said, 700 projects right across the county and in London, uh, more recently in Malta and Madeira and uh, to commemorate the event decided to publish uh, uh, a volume um, which is this afternoon, we're launching it this afternoon, a special volume dealing with the whole of that period. Um, it coincides exactly with the, the Queen's reign. Um, my career started the same day as the Queen, um, and for the same reason. Uh, and uh, that's all explained, uh, explained in the book. And what's the title of the book? Uh, Archaeology in the Front Line. Because it's it primarily rescue archaeology. The, key, the, key, the cornerstone of the work is rescue archaeology, where sites are threatened. I mean, we did all the Kent motorways and had to excavate sites ahead of that. Uh, massive industrial developments and sites in the city, and the Roman Forum in the city we did. Um, Recalva, where the Roman fort was being washed away. Uh, so our main reason, and, and this, the Crofton, Crofton Villa site, was going to be a car park, council car park. So we had to come in first, discover it and then make sure they move the council car park, which they very willingly did. Since then, we've had a, a splendid partnership with Romney Council, um, opening this building, which we built, uh, opening this building to the public. And it's a, it's a focus 
for, for school Roman, Roman school workshops. And we've had fantastic response from schools over South East London, West Kent, East Surrey, and we've had so far 85,000 children in here, including last week and next week, uh, on these workshops. And that's brilliant. It's been brilliant. And how do uh, people find Crofton Roman Villa online? Yeah, well, it's got its own website, and the Kent Archaeological Rescue Unit's got its own website. Um, and uh, there's wide, wide publicity elsewhere in terms of leaflets and posters. Um, it's pretty well known, especially with the schools. We're linked into all the schools, which helps. Right. Um, one of the things about a lot of um, uh, monuments is that some of the entry can be quite expensive. I don't believe that's the case here. No, we, we, we bit of, no we've kept it. We, we work, remember, with a very largely volunteer force and we're anxious to be pro providing a good service. So, I mean, the charges here are just £2 and £1 for um, children and concessions. And, um, I mean, looking at Dover Castle, it's £25 to go in there. And if it's a family of four, that's a lot. Leeds Castle is about £25 as well. And there's a general trend with English heritage in particular to jack up the prices. Well, we've kept them to a, a very basic, uh, basic level, and that helps fund the fund the exercise but the, the cornerstone of this is um, that we're working largely with volunteers. And uh, in the course of the excavations at the uh, Crofton Roman Villa, uh, are there any particular items that you've unearthed that uh, are particular favourites? Not really, no. We've uh, slightly disappointed that um, I think we found one or two small brooches um, but part of the site had been gutted in the 1920s um, and We've got the, all the routine stuff, masses of animal bones of all different sorts, masses of pottery of a whole range of types, um, about 20 coins, a few small finds, but really um, there isn't an outstanding single find to represent this. Well, what there is, on the other hand, is examples of uh, Roman tiling, um, the, the underfloor thing for your engineer-inclined people, and we've got an engineering-focused school around the corner, Newstead Woods, mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just glad it's here. Um, <laughs> when was it unearthed or rediscovered, if that's we, right? We uh, did the dig in 1988, mm. 89, and because it was going to be destroyed for the car park, we held a special open day, and uh, we had 3,000 people came in on that open day and uh, got to encourage them to write to the local councillors and MP. And as a result of all that, um, we launched the preservation scheme, but the condition of that that we actually did the work. And as you can see, we've put this building up and we've managed it in partnership with Bromley ever since. So that really is a success story from what was going to be initially a disaster. Well, thank you for talking to me from what is not a car park. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks for coming. How lovely. Yes, so truly it is said, all roads lead to Rome. There you go. But you know, it's interesting how many of our places and roads are named after the Romans. Mm. I think um, that you base it on the law ending. I think if it's Shire or Ham, it's one or the other. So it's either the Romans or the um, Druids, I think mm. it was at that time. Yeah, no. the, Dru the Druids yeah. were uh, so, preceded Romans. So it was, yeah, by understanding where they plotted themselves mm. by just looking at the ending of the names. Ham and Shire. Interesting, isn't it? It is. Did you ever see the Asterix books? I did, yes. yes. Right, well, in um, Asterix in, in Britain, um, and indeed in Asterix in general, uh, one of the druids uh, there that they have in the camp mm. of Asterix is called Getafix. Yes, Getafix. I love that name. <laughs> Getafix. Mm. It's a good name for a pet. I had a conversation which is a little bit risque with somebody at the Roman villa, and I'm not above a bit of risque on the Bromley Buzz. <laughs> uh, a thing I discovered years ago, um, possibly when I went to a Roman fort at Maryport, uh, which is a great museum up there in Cumbria, by the way, uh, is that um, there are terracotta penises that are part of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, streetscape in, in uh, Roman times. Mm. Apparently they symbolised good luck. Yes, it's a wish. And it's interesting you said that, because uh, my brother and... Uh, sister-in-law were abroad somewhere, I can't even remember mm. now, um, I think in 
some... Ooh, where were they? I can't remember, anyway. But the Roman Empire was so big that they could have been all over the They place. could have been, mm. yeah. But what they had hit, the whole village area, because it was a small mm. area, and it's quite remote where they went, so only a few people at a time can actually go. Yeah. And all along the buildings, there were um, paintings, and they were all of penises. Or they had building structures carved into penises, and there was like a worship area. And then people would go around, the women, holding big, large penises. I've said that so many times. But it, it was a sign of worship for fertility for them. That must have been a very lucky place. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, really interesting. That's all you saw, and that was their worship. The funny thing yeah. is, at the Crofton Roman Villa, when I was yeah, talking to a lady about this, uh, you breached the conversation. Have you had any penis art here? <laughs> uh, she sounded quite disappointed when she said no, actually, which was most amusing. <laughs> Um, do you know what, I, I just wanted to go back to, you know when I was doing that walk, so one of the mm. things that we saw uh, was this um, structure of, uh, where has it gone, so I'm trying to find it now, um, and it was Brass Crosby, Pardon? Brass Crosby, so the Lord Mayor of London, so um, Brass Crosby lived from 1725 to 1793, Lord Mayor of London lived at the court lodge, bold as brass, his action led to the publication of parliamentary debate. Mm. Yeah, so he lived there, and there was there, there's a, like a kind of a monument for him, and this is that's it. You well, know? I, if it's the the publication of the debate, that would presumably be the founding of Hansard. Yeah, because they had this big machinery for, um, mm. for um, I think for fielding and everything, and on there it's it's, it's carved out. Rooted and grounded in love. That device. Yeah. Mm. It's nice to think of Parliament as being rooted and grounded in love for once as well. Mm. And a beautiful church there as well. Absolutely stunning. Mm. Right. Uh, you've got a nice, interesting buzz there coming up. <laughs> well, you've been dying for this one. We've quite some time now. And I think well, I wanted to come along with you for this. Yes, um, because... Um, Upcoming on various dates, which I can't remember all of, but the 23rd of May is the first of them. Uh, and we have an interview now with somebody named That Girl, who is a drag artiste, uh, who is appearing in Drag Bingo at the Bridge House Theatre on the 23rd of May and monthly thereafter. And um, in it, I get a, a very interesting insight into the world of drag and of drag bingo. Good morning, That Girl. Hello. <laughs> it's lovely to uh, meet you, albeit virtually and on an occasionally iffy internet connection, I'm uh, concluding. But nevertheless, I've been really looking forward to interviewing you for the Bromley Buzz because that girl appears every month at the Bridge House Theatre in Penge. Yes, she does. She can't keep her away. She did panto there and they've not been able to get rid of her since. <laughs> Yes, and she is the first drag artist we've had the privilege of interviewing on the Bromley Buzz. Uh, could you tell us who that girl um, is? Um, so that girl is, my, my name is uh, George Lennon. Um, I'm, I'm an actor. Um, I studied musical theatre at Mountview. Um, and that girl was part of my creative project while I was there. Um, we had to create a 45-minute solo show and um, I decided very early on that I wanted to do drag um, and after much toing and froing about names while I was creating the show um, I just started referring to her to my MA advisor whose husband is a drag queen um, I just uh, Dr Joe Parslow um, I just started referring to her as that girl um, and it ended up sticking so she is a um, stagey campy all singing all lip syncing all dancing in quotes uh drag queen who um well she's been with me for three years now um i've done drag competitions in london i was a, a second place in the crown which is won by tuck shop at freedom bar in soho and currently i'm competing in not another drag competition at the royal Vauxhall tavern so i'm very I'm, she's booked and busy is what she is <laughs> Right, well, now I'm going to try and transfer this over to talking to that girl as such, if I can. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, so, um, 
what kind of outfits do you wear and what do you what do you like best out of them um so it's only it, it, it's something that you sort of discover over time like i um have discovered in the last probably six months or so that i really enjoy uh, a nicely fitted uh pantsuit um because it creates a very nice shape um, but I also like things that are like little play suits that show off a bit of leg, even if they are covered in three pairs of tights. Um, it still feels very nice to kind of have your, almost have your legs out, I guess. Um, and quite often I'll be wearing something that's quite low cut. I have a hairy chest and it's kind of a big part of um, that girl that it is that sort of uh, messing with gender a little bit as well as um, performing as a woman. Um, wig wise, um, if <laughs> uh, if any of my drag sisters listen to this, they will tell you that I am partial to a grey wig. Um, but it's you. Will, I mean, obviously the listeners can't see, but you'll be able to see behind my collection of wigs sitting on top of my wardrobe, ranging from blonde to green to grey to blue and beyond. Um, it's it's something that you discover over time, and it's kind of developed quite hugely recently as I've started getting my own designs made, which is incredibly exciting to kind of doodle something um, and give it to someone who's far more talented than I am when it comes to creating stuff. And suddenly it's, it's a whole new outfit that has come from the deepest parts of my brain. <laughs> well, you are probably the greatest drag queen at the Bridge House Theatre, I would think. <laughs> um, tell me, this is a... a one, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, could you tell me that? Um, so, what is drag bingo? So, drag bingo, it's essentially, um, which I think we talked about already, like before we started recording, it's bingo, but with drag queens. Sort of all the campery and fun of a night of bingo um, with drag performances from specifically at the Bridge House Theatre, it's from me and whoever I have as my special guest. Um, we'll lip sync or we'll sing, we'll perform for you. And then we'll just have a very fun and silly night of bingo. It's, it's not serious. It's just a bit of lighthearted fun. Why did you start doing the drag bingo at the Bridge House? Um, so I started doing it because um, it was something that I'd done at a different pub in Hammersmith with some of my drag sisters. And, and it was just so, and it was so silly that it just felt like something that would work really well in that space. I did panto at the Bridge House over Christmas, so I became very familiar with um, the bar <laughs> um, and also very familiar with the theatre space, but also quite familiar with the bar. Um, and I, every time I was there, I just kept thinking this would be a great space for drag bingo. Um, and it's just been so much fun. So essentially it is just bingo but presented by a couple of drag artists whether it be queens kings or things um and just having a silly time on a monday night it's it's just a little it's i i can't stress enough how not serious it is <laughs> all right well a very personal question uh, because mm -hmm. if i'm coming to this and the next one is the 23rd of may but which i can't make but as and when i do uh, does the audience dress up at all oh gosh no we've never had anyone dress up before um although, Ooh, a challenge my, i mean i would i would I, I would encourage it it would be fun um but we've never had anyone dress up before people just come in the some some people are coming straight from work some we had um a lovely group last week who oh sorry last time we did it um in whatever last month was april oh my gosh um who had kind of had they were having like a girls night out so they were all like dressed up a little bit but like they don't come in drag they would be more than welcome to if they wanted to um but no it's very it's very casual don't feel any pressure if you do come along that you need to be glam in any way me and whoever my special guest is we're covering the glam and the glitter side of it you just like bring your willingness to have fun and to just enjoy yourselves well my, my drag version may well make her debut at this we will see oh. um, mm, uh, <laughs> but don't worry i don't intend to even attempt to take over uh, right <laughs> what kind of host are you um because my limited experience of drag queens is that um uh well things like sarcasm and uh <laughs> Uh, and wit, uh, various sorts can be employed from the kind to the not so kind. So <laughs> where are you in this spectrum? Um, 
I think I'm quite a nice host. I think I, I mean, if someone heckles or someone calls something out, um, it's almost a signal that they want to participate and they want to be part of it. And you don't want to shut anyone down like that. Um, so for example, the group that I was talking about who dressed up really nicely, they'd call things out occasionally. So me and my guest, we've both got microphones. We'd often respond to it so that people could hear. Um, but when you're, you're not in a club, you're not in a theatre, um, you're quite close to the people that you're interacting with. We're walking up and down where we're playing the bingo the whole time. So we're quite close to people. Um, and you can kind of tell if they're not featuring it and they don't really want to be kind of pulled into it or have the focus put on them. Um, so you kind of get an instinct of what people are after. So I think for the most part, uh, you go with kindness, you go with um, taking the mickey out of yourself before you're taking the mickey out of anyone else, <laughs> um, unless they sort of bring themselves forward for it, in, in which case they want to be part of it. So um, I think if you are the kind of person who is slightly fearful of drag queens because they have a sharp tongue, some of them really do, um, have no fear if you want to come to Drag Bingo. Um, we, we're very lovely and um, we'll only give it to you if you're giving it to us. <laughs> okay. Well, in the, um, your experiences of doing this, uh, are there one or two highlights that come to mind of the bingo nights? I think my biggest highlight is for sure being able to, um, this is a very strange highlight to have probably, it's to be able to book people for it. Um, so like, I've only done two so far, and it's been with my drag sisters, um, Ella Varide and Copper Top. And it's so fun to be able to be in a position where I can like give drag artists work. Um, so that's a big highlight for me because I've never been in that position before because I've only been doing it for three years. It's the first time I've like hosted something and kind of had the ability to like kind of pull people into it. In terms of actually doing it, um, I get to watch them perform, which is also amazing for me because as well as them being like my drag siblings, they're also like, I, I also am a huge fan of drag. So getting to watch them do it is amazing. Um, big highlight for me was in the first time we did it. <laughs> um, there was like a little bit of confusion about the rules, um, which I got pulled up on by someone on the table. Thankfully it was made into a big joke. Um, and that just made me laugh. So now we've got like, they came again in April so now we have like a little back and forth a lot of people came back um oh my god a big highlight from the last one the group of girls who came along women sorry who came along who um got quite dressed up for it um and were, they were shouting out a lot and they were like really loving like the call and response aspect of it like they were proper like bingo babes they were like they had their own dabbers they were ready and it was they were so much fun to like play with from like a host audience perspective they were great fun can you tell me um why should someone who's listening to this who might be thinking about it um do drag and are you do you have any tips for them um i think the powerful thing about drag is that i'm not a particularly outgoing and confident person but when I have my makeup and my wigs and my heels on, you can't tell me anything. I feel unstoppable. So there's like this power in it. Um, and there's this, um, I don't know, this inner person who will present themselves. And I think it's something that you can then apply to your everyday life. So um, as an actor, uh, when I was at Mountain View, I had to play a character who was... Um, essentially a tyrant in like our end of year show. Not something that comes to me easily. I'm a very docile person. Um, but the only time that I had felt powerful and like I had full control of the room was when I did my drag show. So like via that, I was able to access that kind of way of behaving, um, which was really, really interesting to me. So if you're thinking of doing it, I would always say give it a go because it's just fun. It brings out a part of you that you will never have realized was there. Um, and it's just so much fun. Like whether you're just doing it in your bedroom or whether you're doing it with a view to actually like performing, it's joy. It is absolute joy. Like I, I can't stress enough how not serious I think that drag is. I think 
okay, there's a difference. I think like you can take what you're doing um, seriously and your art seriously and the way you look seriously, but the performance aspect of it and the actual drag aspect of it, there is, it's not that serious. And I think the ones, the drag artists that I enjoy the most are the ones that are serious about their work, but don't take themselves too seriously as artists, if that makes sense. It does, because everyone, in any case, starts as a complete amateur. Um, exactly. Right. If I um, suggest a couple of numbers for you, can you do your exact girl call out? Here we go. So Number. here's the thing. Hold on. <laughs> here's the thing. A good idea, um, bombs. The best thing about um, drag bingo, I think, personally, um, is that we don't know the bingo calls. So for the most part, we're making it up as we go along. The mm. lovely table of women that were there last week, they were telling us what some of the actual bingo calls were. So we were like kind of playing with those. But for the most part, the thing that makes it so ridiculous and so entertaining is that we have no idea. So while there's a few that like, are like the classic ones, like Legs 11 and Two Fat Ladies and all that, um, for the most part, we are making it up as we go along. So for example, if I'm feeling particularly sassy on an evening, I think I did this one in the April one. Um, I think the number 64 came up and I think I went 64, my co-host's age and like just things like that, just sort of <laughs> keep them laughing and smiling. <laughs> 18, the age I tell everyone that I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Thank you for that bit of imagination there. Um, <laughs> and I'm not even asking you what you do with number 69. Right, moving straight on. Your next uh, date of the it, show. It, it's, the, it's the most popular number we all share. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, right, how does one find that girl online? Um, so you can find me at that girl drag on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, and if you're not an Instagram or Twitter person, I am on Facebook. I just don't use it very often, um, which is also at that girl drag. Um, but if you but most of the time you'll find me at the Bridge House Theatre uh, once a month for drag bingo. Our next one is the 23rd of May. Then it's the 27th of June and then the 18th of July. It's really going that well that we've got three dates booked in. <laughs> um, so uh, I think if you go onto the Bridge House Theatre's website, you can book tickets for it. Um, but if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you'll know where I'm gigging and stuff. If you want to come and see me be ridiculous in a six inch heel. <laughs> but without actually feeling ridiculous. That's the, that's the crunch, isn't it? Yes. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Oh my God, thank you for having me. Fantastic. Um, I'm looking forward to being on the um, Business Bunker show, co-hosting mm -hmm. with Paul Andrews on his show on the 31st of May. So that's coming up in a couple of weeks' time, but possibly the 24th, I'm not sure yet. Yeah, it's so nice to be the, on the other side. That's the channel radio um, based in Kent that broadcasts our show, broadcasts Your Mindset Matters every Friday at half past 10 in the morning. Yeah. Uh, and it, the Business Bunker is must be approaching 600 shows on yeah. business issues and Kent and all kinds of things okay. and we co-host when you're not there uh, and sometimes when you are, Jules Serkin as well. Yes, delightful Jules Serkin. Mm -hmm. She's amazing. Yes, that's yeah. well worth you being buzzed about, I think. Mm. And what's this about the farmer's market that's buzzing you? Well, a little family outing to uh, the farmer's market in Biggin Hill just the other day. This is at the Biggin Hill Memorial Museum, uh, mm. close to the airport. And uh, yeah, they have a monthly uh, market. And it was interesting to find out uh, what was down there. Uh, and uh, yeah, I came away with some particularly divine, according to my daughter who had it and uh, she took it off to her new flat so I couldn't try it, halloumi bread. Oh, yeah. Which, was, uh, which had solid halloumi in it, apparently. Uh, I came away with a little knitted, um, sorry, crocheted object, which I'll be sharing with you in due course. And, um, of course, you and your crochet, you're in love with crochet, aren't you? I do rather <laughs> like crochet. Yeah. The other thing, actually, um, also at the, the Memorial Museum, was the D-Day Darlings. Oh. Uh, they came down, they're a, a, a vocal group uh, who do 
um, wartime era songs, mm. World War II, one and World War Two actually, and uh, hardly surprisingly they um, finish with We All Meet Again and they do um, Cliffs of Dover and all that kind of thing. Oh lovely. Yeah, so they were, they were really fantastic and I had a lovely picture of them on the Instagram as well which I enjoyed. There we go. Very smart in their uh, RAF uniforms during the first half of the show and very gorgeous in their poppy themed dresses in the second half. Oh that's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing those images. Indeed. Ah, talking of which, images, 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 and similar things. As he goes over to wrestle in his little thing. Oh, I love presents. It's only a little one, but you got quite excited by the Nightingale Cafe Russian book. Yes. Um, royalty card you thing, which about I showed you last time. So when I went in there this time, uh, I got one for you, and you've got the benefit of one Spitfire stamp from my oh, cover. awesome. Uh, so you have the beginnings of your own one now. Oh, I can buzz about that one. Ooh. So I have my own Russian book from Nightingale Cafe. Thank you so much. Oh, one other it's thing, just cool. dancing around randomly as we do. You know when I was interviewing the chat about Crofton Roman Villa? Yeah. Uh, have a look at some postcards. I bought these with me. Here's some I prepared earlier on. Excavations. That is really cool. Mm, pottery. The, the villa as it would have been back in the Roman times when it was fully built. Um, I can show you that. Uh, and you know sometimes you're interviewing people, you must get this when you're doing your Mindset Matters as well. Mm. Sometimes you're half listening in a bit to what people are saying and thinking ahead. And you get to a point where you think of, here's a question I really should be asking, but it's too late. Yes. I heard that when <laughs> I was talking to Brian. Because at one point he said, uh, you know, it wasn't as exciting a set of finds as we might have had mm. um, because the place had been... Uh, looted in the 1920s and I yeah. really wanted to ask him about that so come on what thievery's been going on in Orpington in the 1920s so I asked him about it out, outside while he was packing his car up and he said yeah in 1926 uh, when the um, the ruins of the villa were being excavated mm. it got into local press before the excavations had really got going properly okay. uh, and like the next morning the people went down there to um, carry on what they're doing and found that most of the good stuff had been disappeared. Yeah, people yeah. had taken them. So, so much for publicity. This is amazing. I, I, I need to go down there uh, and spend some time looking at it. Well, um, yes, in due course, you're still um, recovering from the Museum of the Mind. Oh, I know. And definitely want to go back there because um, there's a few people who actually want to go. Christine Atkinson wants to go there um, as well, so she was interested. Mm. And, of course, um, I mentioned... You know, I had two guests on my radio show uh, last week, they're musicians, and they were very interested in that because some of their music's around uh, mental health and well-being. Mm. They theme it around that, and um, they were very, very interested in that. So, it was yeah. lovely hearing you talk about that, actually. Yeah, Right, over to you. I think it's time it's for an affirmation or empowering question. Right, are you ready for this one? Yeah. Okay. So, this week is, what larger entity are you part of? <laughs> that that could be anything from the uh, Godhead, as, they, as you might call it, in the universe, through to... It's deep. Mm. I'm going to go deep. with a simple one. I'm part of the Bromley Buzz, that's a larger entity. It yeah. consists of four people who have been working on it at the moment. Mm -hmm. And because it's a reflection of the community and all those people we've interviewed, mm -hmm. actually they have become part of it as well. So, you know, we're in three figures of um, what we are. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yes, it's an interesting one because it could it could be many things. Um, so obviously, I post it around the spirit and the mind and that kind of finding oneself, the deeper, deeper awareness, really digging deep to be what part, of, you know, what entity you're part of. It's that belonging, that understanding. Yeah, and one of the links is religion as well. So um, you've got um, the interview yeah. we did at the Caston Mosque. We've got mm -hmm. the interview that will be coming up at the Bromley Reform Synagogue and Holy Innocence Church. Um, yeah. Holy Innocence Church, a Catholic one, and all this. Great. Mm. Right, do you think it's time for some news? Uh, yeah, I think it could be time for some news. I'm going to read these out because it will give you breathing space because I've got another thing in my little 
bag of attachments here. Last time we had the Ripley Arts Centre newsletter, which is out of date, so you talked in general about what yes. was on. I have an up-to-date version there, you so you have a little peek at that in case Lovely. there's anything that excites you. And I'll run through these bits of news and then see what you might have. Uh, so, from the news shopper, and this was from the 10th of May, and uh, it's significant to put the date in because it says, a couple from Bromley who had have had tea with the Queen are celebrating their own platinum anniversary as they uh, married 70 years ago today on the 10th of May. Uh, what would that be, 1952? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Stan and Eileen Martin, happy anniversary, married on the May 10th, 1952. Hey, I was right. At St Peter's Church in Forest Hill and now live at their home in Keston. The pair have had many adventures and even met the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh at a tea party in Bromley. She's been here. Uh, ten years ago, which is lovely to uh, read. And while you're um, looking at that as well, I'll do a little bit of what's on. We've covered the upcoming FA Trophy final. Um, one thing I actually did spot on social, aha, is um, the charity Freddy Farmer Physio. Uh, and that's at FFF Physio. And it says, we're now taking table bookings, tables of ten, for our annual charity ball at Oakley House in Bromley on Saturday the 25th of June with entertainment from Imagine the Beatles as well as a delicious three-course dinner. Ooh. Contact Karen on 0208 313 3707 for details or visit a website link which I'm not going to read out because it's just too complicated. Um, but if you look up the Freddie Farmer Physio Charity, I'm sure the details are on their website. One thing about that, that by the really way, interesting. there's a local musical venue called the Beaverwood Club in Chiswick yes, uh, where I've seen an awful lot of um, wonderful bands down the years. One of them was indeed Imagine the Beatles. Mm. And I'm not a big fan of tribute groups, but they did a really great job. Oh, really? They have a magnificent McCartney. Brilliant. Yeah, no, I've, I've been there a couple of times and I think they've got some good tribute bands there. Them. And occasionally some good original ones as well. Mm. Now, have you found anything on the Ripley Arts Centre that... Uh, yeah, there's quite a few things going on here that are exciting, actually. So, for May to June edition, uh, one of them that's just spotted out, because you know, I'm quite interested, and I remember my days when I did life drawing, when I came from the Middle East, mm -hmm. moved here, went to... Um, an interior design school, but we had to do life drawing. So I'm just imagining. Sorry, does that mean we're back to penises again? It <laughs> <laughs> kind of, but I wasn't going to say ah, it. I'll have ah, to tell you that ah. story off air. Oh my god! What have I done? Um, so I was just wondering what kind of life drawing it is. But yes, yeah, so there's um, life drawing classes web, uh, weekdays, morning, afternoon, ten pound per session. So it's brilliant. Uh, for more information, contact Tony Anderson. Um, at 01689851937 or you can um, email at Ross I'm sorry Ross it Tony Anderson at virginmedia.com uh, so that's that one and the other one you know because I love uh, Qigong and Tai Chi so they've got Qigong and Tai Chi which is a form of martial arts but it's that inner nourishing side. So this Qigong can help you to improve flexibility, strength, balance and relaxation and general well-being through a sequence of simple movements combined with breathing practices. And they're small friendly groups, so that's fantastic. So um, the Tai Chi is 11.30 to 12.30. Um, and, well, they've got various things here, it's quite lengthy, but if you're interested, you can uh, get in touch with Peter Fallon, uh, Goodhue, at peter.fg15 at nylworld.com and then this is up my street El Quijote Spanish class so Spanish lessons for all ages and all levels mm. there you go one more, one more thing on that life drawing thing I was watching um, the very very popular TV show Bridgerton Yes. and one of the main characters in that way was uh, doing life drawings as well mm. which was rather nice well, I've just spotted something for young people. So, um, as well, it can be, for, yeah, it's for young people. So, new BFY Young Filmmakers Club for 12 to 16 year olds, Saturday, 11th of June, all the way through to the 16th of July at the Ripley Arts Centre. Uh, that sounds really, really interesting. Maybe we should go. Mm. Young filmmakers. Well, I, can, I can dress young for the occasion. <laughs> 
Right, one other thing I want to say, what's mm. on, is um, coming up on the 22nd of June, Bromley Midsummer Evening 10K Run. So a picturesque Midsummer Evening flat 10K race from Norman Park, taking you into the scenic woods and fields. So join now, entries are limited, so you can go to www.kentlondonathletics.com. And it's on at Wednesday at 7.15pm. That would be lovely. Mm. It's, it's well worth going to Norman Park anyway and yeah. looking at the website of Blackheath and Bromley Harriers because uh, they have various runs in the area from park runs through to the things they have at the tracks and um, uh, field events such as uh, your discus and the shot put and all that. Yeah. And it's actually rather a beautiful a be thing. Yeah, it is absolutely beautiful there. We must go there together. I'm, I mean, yeah, I, let's I did do an that. interview with yeah, uh, no, no, Nick no, Corrie no, from there in a special show a while ago. Right. right then, we are on the final stretch, stretch, which is appropriate after athletics thing. We're coming up to the winner's tape now. We are. Um, a couple of other things that's what's on. Go on. Um, so we've got here, where we are, at the Newman Flexible Workspace, there is a Jubilee Tea Party. And it says, we would like you to formally, uh, we would like to formally invite you to join us on Wednesday 25th of May between 12pm and 2pm in our meeting room, 203. Devonshire House, so that's the other one. Mm. Sorry, because I said this one here, but we're at the other branch, so we're at the this Bromley North Centre. Yeah, it's near Bromley North Station. Yeah, this yeah. one is actually near Bromley South Station. Bromley South Station, mm. absolutely. So, yeah, they're taking up all the North and South Station. I wonder if there'll be an East and a West. <laughs> I think we need to have a word with the staff here, see if we can get them to do previous centenary event food. Mm. So, Coronation Chicken yep. came about from it. Victoria Sponge... Yeah. And uh, I think there's something involving... Uh, what, what is it the so? meringue one? What's the meringue one? The meringue one? or passion fruit or something, which is the one which has been done for the Queen's year this year. Yeah. It's only been announced in the last few years. Oh, okay, days. I was thinking of something else then. I was thinking mm. of the um, strawberries and meringue. Oh, no, I don't think there's any of involved mess. in it. Eating mess. Ah, that it. might be another one again. Yes, mm. eating mess. No, but definitely, it's going to be a great day. It's it's a way of celebrating, um, getting everybody who works around the Newman Centre comes here and just have a great time. Um, and there's going to be tea, there's going to be cakes, there might be champers. There'll be the Bromley Buzz team. It'll be the Bromley <laughs> Buzz team. Um, they're going to have the Queen's masks to wear, mm -hmm. or maybe it'll be one of each of the um, royal family members. And there's going to be, apparently... Hopefully, if they find one in time enough, a big cut-out cardboard mm. of the Queen. That's what they're looking for. I don't know if they've found one yet. So if anyone knows where they can get hold of a Queen cut-out cardboard, as opposed to the you, real I'll one, but the real one would be lovely. I'll tell you the thing I'd love, love to happen is what happened in the 2012 Olympics. We need to get the Queen to parachute into Bromley. Yeah, somehow, unfortunately, it won't be happening at this time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, the last of the um, what's on. Uh -huh. um, 3rd to 11th of June, Bromley Little Theatre, the Prisoner of Second Avenue play. 5th of June, uh, from yourbromley.com, the street party on East Street, also celebrating the Queen. And the 1st to the 31st of July, Bromley Arts Festival, wrapping up every arts activity in the borough during that period, which is already visible on their website. BromleyArtsFestival.com and you know for the finish of the show should we attempt a buzz of the national anthem? Uh, okay. Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> I've lost you. <laughs> My mouth starts getting tickly <laughs> with all the buzzing. <laughs> Well done, Dazzle. God save the Queen. And I must say, given the length of her reign, he's done a very fine job of saving she the Queen. Has, yeah. Absolutely. And that's right. it from the Buzzy Buzz for this week it with Zinat Narani of Vida de la Mariposa Coaching and with Darren Wheel of Intune PR. And we will see you for another buzz next week.